Hey everyone, my name is Nachum Russell, and this is my friend Becca, or Russ to most hey of you. Hey Marianne, you popped on here really quick. You must have been waiting for us. That's cool. Um, for those of you who've never tuned into this show, this is like a weekly podcast that I do, generally talking to other dog trainers. This is not a Q&A show, so if you have dog training questions, save them for another time, unless it's apropos to the discussion that we're having. Um, Becca is the trainer and owner of Almost Heaven Canine in West Virginia. Easy to remember, Almost Heaven. And you want to tell us? A lot of people don't know what that means. <laughs> really? As soon yeah. as I didn't even know where you were located, when I first like found out about you and I saw your, your business name, I knew right away where you were just by the name of it. But good. I guess you got to know good music if you're going to know <laughs> where it's from. So you want to tell everyone a little bit about who you are, what you do and all of that before we get into sure. this? Sure. So I'm Becca. And like he said, I am the owner of Almost Heaven Canine Training. Um, I've got three kids. Two of them are with me here. Say hi. <laughs> um, I don't know. What do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get into it. I'll ask you questions. What, okay. I know that you started you started training dogs because of your own dog, because of Max, right? Yes, Max. So um, Max came into our lives about three years ago, and he literally showed up in our lives. He want, We lived out in the middle of nowhere, um, the country roads of West Virginia, and he wandered onto our back porch. And I remember Nate called me out. He's like, hey, there's a dog back here. He's really cute. Come see it. So, you know, we all ran outside and pet him and we thought that he was so cute. And then he just ran off and we didn't think anything of it. Um, but over the next month or so, he just kept coming back and he would hang out and we would play with him and give him treats. And, um, and we lived on kind of a busy road. And so we were worried that he was going to get hit. He didn't have a collar. He wasn't fixed. Um, so we just started getting a little bit worried about him. But long story short, we ended up like a month or two later finding his owner down the road. And they were like, hey, we you guys can have him if you want him. Um, you know, they weren't really taking care of him to the point where, you know, no yeah. vet visits, anything like that. So anyway, basically, we just he adopted us. <laughs> um, and so we immediately, you know, we didn't know anything about having a dog. We just welcomed him, in, welcomed him into our home, into our bed, onto our couch. Whatever he wanted was his. And it worked out fine until um, problems started happening. You know, your typical, all your typical dog problems he had. Jumping, pulling on the leash. He's very, very dog reactive. He would, you know, explode at every dog we saw. He barked at men. What else did he do? He would eat food off our counters. He ate Allie's birthday cake at her birthday party. <laughs> Allie is still holding a grudge. <laughs> Are you holding a grudge? No, he's a good boy now. He's a good boy now, she said. Um, and we were just kind of, you know, at a loss. And so we took him to Petco. And, you know, I kind of asked around on social media, does anyone have advice? And just nothing was working for him. And then about six months in, um, I took him on a hike and up in Ohio. And it was kind of the last straw. Like he just, he was so awful. And I was so stressed that I just cried all the way home. And I was like, we have to get rid of this dog. Like he's not, this is not working. 
Um, and that same night, I found Julie on Instagram, Julie's Canine Academy. And I saw on her page all these dogs, you know, sitting on place and walking in heel and coming when called. And I was like, no way. Like, Max could never do that. That's, you know, that's no way. <laughs> so I ended up talking to her and um, she was booked out like four months. So I couldn't get in to see her. So I just told myself that I was just going to do it myself. So I got on her social media. I got on Jeff, found Sean, Tori, all those, you know, the people that kind of support Julie. And I just started studying and applying everything that I could. And Max changed so quickly, so drastically within days. He was completely yeah. new to him, as, you know, we all see now. Um, and not everything was fixed perfectly, but just the, you know, the main issues, we just finally had some control and we had some hope. <laughs> and I think that's honestly what most owners need is just some hope. Um, yeah. And so I kind of looked around and there was nowhere in my area that was doing that type of training. And so I just started offering to help friends and it kind of just snowballed from there. That's awesome. It's such a cool thing that not even like now that you're on the other end of it, you're putting out the content and you're creating and you're, you're doing awesome work. It's really cool to, to see that what can come of like free content, right? Mm -hmm. like, I'm on my end, I'm putting out content and I never really know like what happens with it. Like once I've people comments, so I know like the regulars who comment on it and stuff, but I never really know, like, is this helping anyone? Is it just yeah. filling up people's pages with spam? Like, it, you know, what happens with it? And then your story is a really cool proof of it because not only did you help your dog, but it blossomed into tons of other dogs and owners getting help from that free content. I think it's a very cool thing to see. Yeah. Well, and one thing I remember um, that Jeff Gelman said was that he would love to be out of a job. He would love to be to the point where he, we reach enough owners that everyone is successful and everyone is doing so well with their dogs that they're not struggling anymore because, right. you know, I'm, you know, it's a trainer, like this is really a people business. It's not so much. Yes. We train dogs, but really my focus is always, are the owners happier? Are they struggling less? Because that's, I was there. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's such an important thing. I love speaking to trainers who have their own story like yours, because it's a very different vibe than just somebody who loves dog behavior. Right. And it's just yeah. about animal behavior and not not to talk anything bad about those trainers, because a lot of them are really great trainers, too. But there's something very cool, like from the pr uh, perspective of someone who is there. And like you said, it's, it's a people based business as much as it's mm -hmm. about dogs. And yes. like you were that person and you can very much empathize with that idea, like you said, w wanting hope and searching and thinking that your dog is like different, right? Like when you saw Julie's dogs laying on place, you're like, yeah, those dogs are special, but Max can't do that. Yeah. Well, and then now I hear that from my clients, like, oh, there's no, like, are you sure you can handle this dog? Like they all think that their dog can't do it because, you know, if you don't have the tools or the knowledge or that path in front of you, it does feel hopeless because we almost got rid of Max. Those were my two options. I was like, I'm going to get rid of him because the stress was just not worth. Like the, the stressful moments were outweighing the fun we were having with him. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just so sad to me because now knowing what I know, it just doesn't have to be that way. 
And like, what, what, what would you say is, is the biggest thing that you took from your experience with Max that you now get to, that you use to help other owners? Would it, Mm, you mean like from a training perspective or yeah, just from a training perspective or being a trainer? Because I think there's two different parts to what we do. There's training and yeah. then there's trainer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that's just the biggest thing is that there's there's a solution because I just I every single owner I talk to, I try to keep my business very owner focused. Mm -hmm. I try not to get too much into like does my content look flashy or does, you know, you know what I mean? Like I really try to keep it about the owner because I can just empathize with them so much. So I think for me, I'm just most passionate about the fact that you can take this dog who completely ignores you. I mean, Max was actually hit by a car um, when we first got him. He did run into that busy road because we were calling him and calling him and he saw something across the street that he Found more valuable than our yelling you know we were not relevant to him and so i think just the fact that you can really change that relationship i'm very passionate about the relationship between human and dog and to me that's my favorite part of training is watching the dog go from completely tuned out you know kind of lost that lack of leadership in their life to you know having someone to follow and having that person have the skills to lead. So I think that's my favorite part about the whole training is that yeah. leadership and that relationship. Yeah, one thing that I love about your content, I really follow you mostly on Instagram. I don't do much like following on Facebook. Um, but what I love is seeing that you very openly still talk about your struggles with Max and the process with Max and that like it's an ongoing thing. And I think for dog owners, that's a very important thing to see that yeah, you're training dogs and you're you're creating like massive life changes for people on a daily basis, but you're still putting in the work with your dog because it doesn't end. It's not like you oh, yeah. have a fixed dog because you put in some work one time. It's this ongoing process. I think that's a really it's a really cool thing that you do from a couple of angles because also as a trainer, there's like that at least I can talk for myself is like, my dogs are supposed to be perfect, right? Mm -hmm. and like I'm a dog trainer, so like they gotta be perfect, but you're very open about it. Like even I think it was just today, like ask you put up on your thing, ask me about like my training stuff with Max or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. and it's a very, it's a very good thing for owners to see that perspective of a trainer who's changing lives, working with dogs, but who's still putting in the work with her own dog because it doesn't end. Yeah. Well, especially with a dog like Max. Yeah. I mean, he out of every single dog I've worked with, he's still the hardest dog I've worked with because of his, it, just the issues he has there. He's, you know, we're always having to stay on top of him with his, between his separation anxiety and his dog reactivity. Um, we can't slack off with him because he'll go right back to all the disasters we were dealing with before. Yes, so. absolutely. And what, what would you say was like the big change that really switched in his head that you, that you take again? So like, with every dog, I think there's there's a at least the way I see it, there's a switch that goes off in the head, right? When you know, like, all right, like we're we're making progress. Like this dog has changed to a big extent. What was it for for you and Max that really you felt like now you have hope that now things actually changed? Okay, so it's it's kind of hard to pinpoint one thing because when I trained him, I wasn't a trainer. 
Um, And so his journey is very different than like a client dog now, because now I can accomplish, you know, in a matter of days or weeks, what it probably took me a few months to do with Max. But for him specifically, I feel like last fall, like a year ago right now, we were still really, really struggling with his separation anxiety. That's kind of his biggest, um, kind of the biggest issue that he has is that separation anxiety. And so the thing that finally really just kind of got us over that hurdle was completely, and people aren't going to like my answer, (laughs) but it was completely eliminating furniture time. Like, 100% 100% no, you know, not even a little nap in the bed. Once we completely eliminated that furniture time and no free roaming, like he is on place or in the crate 90% of his day. And that's really when we stopped. Cause the problem is we would come home and we'd put him in the crate. We'd come home. And I've posted a lot about this too. And he would have like turned the crate on its side, you know, trying to get out the, the crate pad would be all bunched up and he'd be panting and stressed. And we would, so every time we left the house, we were nervous. Like, is he, are we going to come home to this? You know? Um, and once we started doing that, we haven't had an episode like that since last October. So that to me was really when he just, that's what he needed. Yeah. To finally, I don't know why necessarily. I've had a lot of clients be like, well, why? And I'm like, I don't necessarily know. I just know it worked. Right. That, that <laughs> For whatever is, reason, in his mind, that furniture time and that roaming, he just can't. He can't handle it. Yeah. That that statement though, right there, like I don't know why it works, but I know it works, and that's what matters. To me, is like one of the most important things about dog training because I think so many people are so focused on why and trying to figure out why yeah. something works or why the dog does something, and it's I like. Agree. It's great to know. It's always mm-hmm. awesome to be able to know. Yeah. But if you don't know, it doesn't mean you stop doing it if it's working. Exactly. I mean, that's what really matters. You're right. Because I could sit and like go study. I don't have time to do this because I'm, I'm a mom. I'm just like this random mom that found something that worked. And I do like that's so. Yeah. So when people want to get really deep into like the science behind it, I'm not the best trainer to talk to about that. <laughs> and I admit that because I I don't necessarily know and I am just too busy getting the results I get to go dig into that. Do you know what I mean? And I, like, I, I agree with you. That's not a bad thing. I think it's very interesting. And maybe when I don't have kids at home, I will have time to go, you know, delve deeper into the scientific side of it. But um, yeah, I just know what works. And that's really what I try to base my my business around and what I really try to get my clients to to learn is to just do these simple things. If it's working well, keep going. If something's not working, change something and try again. Yeah. That's Absolutely. kind of my whole my whole thing. So and and that's that's what's really most important. I have so many people who I'll talk to them about training and things and I can hear it in their voice, right? They keep asking why and I don't have an issue. If I know why I'll discuss why with you for hours. But what that ends up doing is you end up staying stuck in why and never moving on to how, right? Yeah. Like go implement it for a little bit. And then you might actually figure out why you might not. But at the end of the day, you're getting the results you're looking for. And that's like you said, that's ultimately what it's about is getting that change that you really want with your dog. And 
seeing that there's hope. You're not going to find hope in figuring out why your dog acts a certain way when you do something. You're going to get exactly. that work. Yeah, because I've had a lot of people be like, well, why does Max getting on the furniture cause him to, to freak out in the crate? Or why does, why does he even have separation anxiety? What happened in his past? A lot of people want to know that too. Right. Well, why, why is he anxious in the crate? And I'm like, well, I don't necessarily know. <laughs> All I know is that now he's calm in the crate and our life is happy. And you're right, that's, that's what matters. Yeah, I think that the furniture thing and the, the, no, the no free roam thing is just two things that can create massive change in any dog. Yeah. Because it's as much as people don't like it, there has to be hierarchy, right? And yeah. if furniture is like our intimate space, it's where humans hang out, humans sleep, humans live, right? And when we let a dog, when some dogs it can work just fine for, but a lot yeah. of dogs, especially dogs who are have some sort of like imbalance, which Max mm -hmm. really does, right? Yeah, yes. And, <laughs> and let them into that space, it's like it totally creates a lot of confusion as to where the dog actually sits in that hierarchy for that. Yes. For that dog. And and the free roam thing, same same idea. It's like you're giving the dog access to everything. I heard a great example of it from. Blake Rodriguez from mm -hmm. Dream True, a while ago, I heard him explaining this. And he was saying, like, if you walk into an office building, you can right away tell where the CEO, where the CEO's office is, right? Without anyone telling you, because that office has more space than every cubicle. It has a yeah. door on it, right? You knock before going in. There's there's a a spatial difference in it, right? And mm -hmm. nobody who's just the regular employee walks into that CEO's office without knocking or without having an appointment. It's just unspoken rules. And that creates a level of respect immediately for that CEO that's totally natural. We all get it, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. and that's really what space is for a dog. And when you restrict their freedom, restrict their freedom of their space, all of a sudden you become the CEO, right? Yeah. Yes. But the cool thing is, is I think people, well, the cool thing, well, okay, first of all, the frustrating thing is that people look at that lack of furniture time, though, and they're like, oh, well, that poor dog, like, right. he has to just lay on a cot all day, he has to lay in his crate all day, that's no life for a dog, he won't be happy if he, you know, he wants to snuggle with his human, doesn't that make him happy? But the problem is, they don't look, step back and look at the big picture, that like, Every single day, I take Max out to the forest on our walk, tell him break, and that dog can run, and he has all the freedom in the world when we're out there. And so that's the thing is you have to balance out that, you know, the, the structure and the strictness in the house, and then their world is huge when you get out of the house. Yeah. Because anytime yeah. I see a dog that's, you know, straining at the end of the leash or won't come when called is ignoring their owner, jumping, you know what I mean? In my mind, that dog probably sleeps on the couch all day. And then people come to me and they're like, oh, cause I, you know, I get a lot of comments on Max because he's very, very well behaved outside of the house. And, you know, I tell them, well, we accomplish this by having very strict rules in the house. Right. And so there's, there's that trade-off and I mean like you said some dogs can handle being on the couch and then you can put them in the crate and they don't lose it you know some dogs but Max is not one of those dogs yeah and a lot of people don't have you know I've got several clients who you know I've 
when they allow furniture time, I get the messages, hey, we're starting to struggle again. And I, I hate the answer. I wish it was different. Right. I wish it was, here's a pill or, you know what I mean? I wish it was simpler than add more structure, but that's just, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, with, with my Marley. So Marley's my Max. Um, <laughs> he's the one who got me into all of this. And yeah. when, when we started to really change things up a lot, like the big changes didn't come from introducing tools or anything like that. It really came from learning what structure was, right? Learning how to change our life. And so obviously I had him sleeping in his crate all the time then. And we made like really big progress and big change. And at a certain point after a while of like everything was going really well, I was like, let's see what happens. Like if I let him sleep in my room, right? Because I wanted my dog next to me at that point, yeah. I only had dog and i was like i want my dog next to me he was sleeping in a crate in another room and i took him in i and not even on my bed just i had a, a dog bed at the foot of my bed and i just want my dog to be with me right yeah and i put him on his bed he slept there after three nights of him sleeping in his bed but in my room not in his crate i saw a massive difference in him during the day he became yeah. more disrespectful he yeah. it took a couple of times for me to say something till he actually listened like all the things we've been working on in three days time, I saw change. Yeah. And it's just one of those things that, again, I don't know exactly why him sleeping in a crate changed the way he, like his attitude towards me during the day. But ultimately I don't really care because like you said, the bigger picture, if mm -hmm. I'm sleeping anyways, then why do I care where my dog is? That's just like some emotional thing, right? And if I can get past that, and have the bigger picture of like now I have a dog that can go off leash and do all sorts of mm -hmm. fun things with me. Then I'd much rather give up having my dog next to my bed, and yeah. have, you know now I have another dog and she can come in my room, so that takes care of that for me. Um, yeah, we just need a, a softer dog. <laughs> yeah, I got lucky. My second dog was much softer, so she can just yeah, really she can handle it. Um, yeah, but I, I think it's important for owners to realize that you don't get to choose. Yeah which dog you get. I mean, maybe to some degree you can ask about their history or something, but like your dog is who they are and you have to respect that. I think that's really important um, because I don't think that's fair to the dog to leave them in a heightened state of anxiety and stress because it feels good for you to cuddle them all the time. You know what I mean? And we obviously we cuddle Max. Like, you know, if you watch my stories, we, we hang out with him all the time. It's just not naps on the bed and not during, you know, during a movie on the couch or, you know, so there's, that's why it's called balanced training is because obviously we're not doing nothing with him, <laughs> but we, you know, we've just kind of learned, I always liken it to a scale. You know, you've got all the easy stuff on one side and kind of the structure on another and you have to find where your dog is balanced and it doesn't look identical for every dog yeah and that's so. that's something that so many owners struggle with is like we get a dog most owners get a dog and they have this vision of what life with that dog is going to be like mm -hmm. and many times that dog has something very different in mind right just yeah logically even it's not even necessarily that it has a history just who the dog is like you said yeah. And if we don't accommodate that to an extent and be willing to change things for that dog, then we're being very unfair because at yeah. the end of the day, the dog, as much as like 
yeah, Max adopted us. At the end of the day, dogs don't choose us, right? We choose yeah. to bring them into our house and to have them as part of our family. And that means that it's our responsibility to also accommodate what's going to be best for them. And that's that's a hard pill for a lot of owners to swallow because we have this vision of what life should look like with a dog and every dog should have this life of whatever it is that people envision. And most of the time it's not like that. Like I got lucky with my second dog. It wasn't like it was planned. She just yeah. to have a great personality that like nothing's really going to mess her up, but that's not the average dog. Like I look at her as like, like she was like my gift after Marley, <laughs> like yeah. after I like struggled and put in all that work. God was like, all right, take it easy with this one. You could have some yeah. fun. That was just luck. But I'm really glad though that Max is difficult because I feel like I can say those hard things to clients and I can empathize with them. And, you know, I don't have this super easy go lucky puppy. And then, you know, I feel like it's good for my clients to see me struggling still. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, I, I, I guess we kind of already talked about that. It makes it relatable. Yeah. Yeah. Cause and at the end of the day, like I'm just an owner who, found something that worked and now I'm helping other people. I don't even look at myself as like this entrepreneur or a business owner. I'm just a, an owner. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's powerful. That's, that's really what, what owners need. They don't need like, that's, it's almost like a com camaraderie as opposed yeah. to, yeah. as opposed to like this trainer person. And then like, yeah. like, no, and we're I both dog owners. I hope my clients feel that for me. I mean, I'm, I'm honest and I'm, I tell them like, I tell it like it is, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm here with you. Like I'm, you know, I'm still, everything I tell my clients to do, I'm doing. There's not one thing that I have in my go home packet or I put on social media or anything that I don't wake up and do every day. Um, I mean, I still do, we practice recall every day. We practice heal, we practice dance, you know, everything that I ask them to do, I'm doing. So. I hope I'm on that same level with my clients. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. kind of my goal. <laughs> and something else that I think is awesome for a lot of families, which I'm assuming you work probably mostly with families, right? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, I feel like that's what you would attract because, like, you your family is part of your your business almost, right? Yeah. Like, like I've seen I don't know which daughter it is, Allie, the one who has like awesome leash handling skills. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like that's, that's awesome to see. And for a family to see that is very cool because it's like, that's the ultimate giving hope when somebody sees a client's dog being walked by a young girl. I don't know how old mm -hmm. she is. 11, 12. Yeah. She's 11. Well, Clara walk dogs too. She's nine. Yeah. And like, that's, that's amazing. Like your kids have better leash handling skills than most adults that I've seen, even some trainers that I've seen. And it's, it's a very cool thing how you incorporate, your family into it. Thank you. Yeah, I really, I, I hope when owners, cause I mean, I'm to the point now where I don't know a lot of my clients. Um, you know, I, they pull up to my house and leave their dog with this stranger. And I, I like to, you know, really kind of show people that your dog is coming into my home and they're going to be part of our family. And then the nice thing is then, they feel comfortable bringing him back for boarding and because boarding to me is, is my favorite. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. You recently started like yeah. a cool boarding program. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what, call it. what is that? 
It's been really fun. It was kind of this idea I had that I really didn't think anyone would bite, <laughs> um, but it's gone really well. I, I call it premium boarding. Basically for a small fee, um, they can tack on. So say they board their dog for five days, they can tack on like one premium day, two, three, whatever they want. And um, it just includes um, either kind of depending, like if the owner's really struggling with something, I'll do a training session or most of my clients are awesome. So their dogs are doing really well. I'll just go take their dog out for like a fun hike or a walk downtown. And it started because um, I just kept taking client dogs places for their board and train. And then I would take maps places. And I was like, you know, I'd get these dogs back for boarding. I'm like, well, I want to go. Like, it's just fun for me. I enjoy getting out with well-behaved dogs. Like it just yeah, makes yeah. me happy. It's not work for me. It's not, stressful it's fun so i'm like why don't i offer this to clients and so their dog isn't just sitting in my house for i mean they get a walk anyway but um yeah it's just a little kind of a fun add-on and then i include i make a little video and post it so they get to see what their dog got to go do so that's cool that's an awesome yeah do you do you do one-on-ones also on top of the board and trains so yeah i just started doing those over the summer. I didn't do them for the first couple years because honestly, I didn't, I don't feel like I had the skill set myself to be able to take a dog in one hour and make some changes, introduce the tools and teach the owner. That was just a lot of pressure on me. But I feel like over this last year, I'm finally to a point with my own personal skill set and experience. I have enough dogs kind of under my belt now um, that, yeah, I started doing private lessons. And what I what typically happens is I'll do a lesson and just introduce basic pressure and release, you know, teach them to follow on the leash and then um, a basic stay command, like either a sit or a down. And then I teach them, you know, to be released when when told. Um, and then what owners, a lot of them have been doing is joining, I do a Saturday group class. And so that's just a cheap, it's like 50 bucks for 10 classes. You just come when you can. It's not like you have to come every week. Um, it's just at the park and they come and we walk like a mile and then we practice place or down or recall. So then the owners can take what they learned at the first lesson and then they come and practice a group class with everybody. And your group so, class though? Your group What's classes, the group classes, they're open to anyone or just to your existing clients? No, they have to have one lesson with me first. Um, otherwise, I think it would just, I don't have some just random, random dog showing up and being disruptive. And yeah, so they have to at least, um, they don't have to be e-collar trained. I do have one dog that's been coming. She's just on her prong, but she's just kind of a chill dog anyway. Um, but yeah, all the dogs have to, you know, have some basic leash manners and, um, you know, if they're super disruptive or reactive, then I would probably have to ask them to leave. <laughs> that's cool. That's awesome. I, I love the idea of group classes. I don't do them. I want to try to incorporate it next season. Obviously it's, kind of over at least yeah. in getting cold but i want to try to incorporate that it's a very cool idea and i like i watch yours i watch yours on your stories and stuff and it's a very cool thing to have the get together of owners being able to work together amongst each other and have that this yeah. builds more 
community rather than just thing. And that's what I like because it's not so much me standing in front of everyone being like, okay, do this, do this. It's it's very I kind of just let them loose to like, okay, everyone practice place right now. And then I go around and I'm like, do you need anything? It's a very just relaxed. Each owner is very focused on their dog, mm -hmm. which is really fun because half the time, I mean, I have such good and then board and train graduates can come for free, by the way. So they just come and work with their dog, which, you know, as we say, it's never over. So, <laughs> um, but it's really fun for me when I get those little moments where everyone's just kind of in their zone with their dog. And I just kind of step back and watch and I'm seeing all these dogs looking right into their owner's faces. And it's really cool. I really, really like it. And that's yeah. why it's cheap. Cause it's not for me, it's not for the money. It's I really enjoy watching owners and their dogs like click like that. Yeah. What's it like to, how long have you been like actually in business since this whole max journey? Uh, we started officially in February of 2018. So coming up on three years. That's awesome. What is it like, look, all these dogs you've worked with and the, the community you've built, these group classes, like, what is that like? Like, did you ever think it was going to become like this from your little journey with oh, Max? No way. Not at all. <laughs> no, I thought I would. Um, I mean, like I said, at the time we lived in a different house. And I just thought I would train, you know, one dog a month, make a little extra money to help our income. And um, and then we ended up moving to a different house to be closer once we kind of realized that we were going to stay in West Virginia because we're not from here. Um, and we just decided that, you know, Nate's job was established and the kids were going to be in good schools and everything. Uh, we actually moved to a different house than the one we're in. And we were only there for a couple months when dogs just kind of started, people just kept booking and booking. And that's when I went and did my first shadow with Julie and Josh. Um, and then that's when we found this house and we were like, okay, if we're going to do this, we need to get into a house that I can, you know, have a bunch of dogs and, you know, have my kennel room. And, and then, yeah, it's just kind of kept snowballing. I keep waiting for it to stop. <laughs> I keep like, oh, okay, well, after these dogs, I bet it'll die out. And But they keep coming, and I'm so grateful. Yeah, it's not going to stop. I mean, you put out awesome work, so people see it. They're going to keep sending their dogs. It's just going to get bigger and Thank better. Thank you. I appreciate that because, you know, all, I think all of us trainers just kind of feel like, do we really know what we're doing? <laughs> 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 yeah, of course. But I think that I was speaking to somebody about it the other day. I think that self-doubt, which is basically what it is, is almost healthy in a field like dog training. Because if you're oh, wow. like, I got this, like, I know everything there is to know about dogs. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't want to learn from you. Like, uh, -uh. because I've, I've never had a dog that I didn't learn something from. I've never oh, worked with sure. a dog and interacted with a dog that there wasn't something different about it that I had to tweak how I do things, yes. learn from it, you know, and get creative with it. And that's like the art of dog training, I guess, really mm -hmm. is being able to understand how it works, right? Like get the, get the foundation, get the basics of like how dogs learn, but then really be able to do what's going to work for every dog and be willing to learn from every dog. And it's that self-doubt, I feel like that keeps us going almost because it's like, yeah. if you know it all, 
then then you're gonna mess up. There's gonna be a dog very quickly that's gonna come and be like, no, you don't know it all. And then you're messing. There's yeah. not. You're not gonna have anything to do. It's it's a healthy self doubt, I think. Yes, At least I agree. Not about me. I agree. Well, and it, like for example, last February I had a dog, this this poodle, and she just the way her she just had this attitude that just really I hadn't really encountered that type of attitude yet. And so, you know, I worked through it. I, you know, like you said, I tweaked a bunch of things. And then like three months later, I had another poodle <laughs> with the same attitude and I knew exactly what to do. Like, right, like, so for that second dog, I had that confidence and I was like, oh, I've seen this before, I've got this. And I think that's why it's so important as dog trainers to just get your hands on dogs. Because I've had several kind of newer trainers ask me, you know, oh, do you have any advice for just starting out? And that's always my advice is just like, don't try to charge a bunch of money. Don't, you know, worry necessarily about building this big social media platform. Like I think to get into dog training, you have to just get hands-on experience. You have to get your hands on dogs because they're what they're going to teach you. Yeah, absolutely. You talk. I mean, even talking. I mean, obviously, those things teach you. But until you've got the leash in your hands and the dog in front of you, um, that's how you learn. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I the the biggest mistake people make is spending too much time trying to learn and not actually working with dogs. Yeah. And I don't mean that like someone who wants to become a trainer should start training dogs tomorrow, <laughs> but yeah. like. Do something with dogs. Like go volunteer at a shelter or get a job yeah. at a daycare. As much as like I'm not into daycares and I'm in most of them at least, but go get a job at a daycare. The daycare still exists. So you might as well take advantage of it and get the experience of being around. Like the best thing I ever did in terms of learning about dogs was work in a daycare. And it was a daycare boarding facility. And I learned so much from that. Just being and around that, the, dogs. Just the interaction too yeah. between the dogs. That's one thing that it took me um, for the first year. I mean, I just didn't have the volume coming in. So I didn't have a lot of like dog dogs interacting with other dogs. And so it took me a good year to really learn how to watch how they play, watch how they interact. And it's been really fun to, to uh, kind of watch my own education grow over the last three years. And yeah. hopefully more. I want to keep learning. It's really fun. <laughs> yeah, dogs dogs interacting with each other can teach you probably just about everything you need to know if you really think about it. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. they do things naturally, right? It's not like how we communicate with them mm -hmm. as much as like we try to mimic it. They just do it naturally. Yeah. I learned so much from that. And there's no yeah. there's no dog training book that's going to teach you what you're gonna get from being around dogs holding a leash, working dogs, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And that that's, that's like you said, those are the teachers. Yeah. Well, and that's one thing I feel like I've really learned in the last six months or so is I'm really, I've been really intrigued by like the pack, pack animal mentality. I've really been kind of talking more about that in my training, like with my owners, with my clients is, is establishing. It's just so interesting to me to watch a dog go, like I said, go from no leadership to finding that role in the pack. And I just, it's so cool to me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How do you see it play out in your training? Oh, it's, it's pack, huge. Yeah. They go from, 
they go from well or well some of them think that they are the pack leader you've got those dogs that are just entitled and then you've got the dogs that are just anxious and scared and they need a leader to lead them through life i train this little dog one thing that i've really noticed lately in the pack like some of my summer dogs i traded was they came in i can think of this little dog dixie and then the basset hound sammy um they were just so frantic when they came in like they just you could tell they just were stressed and scared. And within two days or so of teaching heel, teaching them to honor the thresholds, all that, you could almost literally see the stress just melt off of them. And they just would look up at you like, almost saying just like, thank you for yeah. leading me. You know, when, they're, when you're walking, like they don't push heel, like those, those just those really sweet dogs that are just not pushy. Um, you know, some dogs it's like, you teach them heel and they're like, yeah, right. I'm not, <laughs> not following you. But I love those ones that are just like, oh, I've been waiting for this. You know what I mean? Like you can just see the relief in their face of, of all I have to do is follow you. This is so, this feels so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you take a load off of their shoulders. Yeah, like, for sure. It's they're living in confusion and trying to figure out mm -hmm. the world. And then finally someone's like, I got this for you. You don't have to do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, those are my favorites. <laughs> yeah, it's very cool. I would. I always say that if you take a picture of a dog on day one of board and train, and then the last day, just a still shot picture, you'll see a difference in their expression and oh, their face changes. True. Because well, on the first day, you usually can't even get a picture because yeah. they they won't look at you. They won't hold a sit. <laughs> They're looking everywhere but you usually. Right. And that, that last day picture, though, you actually see, like, I think it's a physiological change. Like, their, I agree. their actual I agree. body changes. Yeah, I agree. Well, and um, that kind of made me think of one thing that it's a little bit frustrating is when people um, watch the first day or two, I get comments sometimes of, like, oh, that dog looks stressed or, oh, they're scared. And they think that we are doing something to scare the dog or stress out the dog. And I always tell people, I'm like, Oops. Did we lose you? Oh, okay. I don't we know, did you lose me? I lost you for a minute. Yeah, we disconnected for a second. Let's see if this works. But you're all frozen. Are you there? <laughs> I'm here, but you're frozen. Let's see, back on. Hmm. Okay, cool. Your can screen you hear is frozen. I don't know if you can see me. I can see you. Hello? You can't hear me? Can you hear me? I can't hear you. I don't know if I should refresh. Oh, there we go. Okay, cool. Wait. It was something on my end. The internet got messed up. Oh. One second, guys. Hopefully, Becca will be back. I think my internet's messed up because we had a, a little bit of a rain situation here. So hopefully we'll be back on. <clears throat> hey, Eric, Carol, Kiki, Missy. How's everyone doing? Nikki from UK. Cool. <clears throat> All right, guys. Hopefully, Beck will be back on in a second. I hope. Okay. Oh, awesome. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I think it was my end because my internet was messed up and I kind of switched the router, like switched it from 
Wi-Fi to off Wi-Fi because we had a we had a, like a bit of rain and maybe it's messing up with it. I don't know, but I think okay. it was my hand. Yeah. Okay. Well, I had no idea what I was saying, but you were saying I remember you were saying that uh, sometimes, like in the first few days, dogs look very stressed or oh nervous, yeah, and people comment on it. Yeah, and I think they just don't realize that the dog came in stressed that we're not causing them to be stressed but they are stressed and we are addressing it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's, And it's also like people don't get that sometimes learning is stressful. Mm -hmm. Sometimes yeah. doing like learning a new way of life is stressful. It's not, right. I mean, for humans even, it's not easy. Anybody oh, yeah. like think of a first day on a new job and you're like that new employee there and no one wants to talk to you and you're like, got to yeah. figure everything out, right? Like that's stressful. Like that's scary. It's nerve wracking. It's, it's anxiety inducing, whatever the word would be. Yeah. yeah. And like, we expect dogs to just be happy go lucky when we're asking them to really change their lives around, you know, it's very well, different. And I think a lot of dogs, because they come in so, um, you know, I think arousal and dogs looks, people think they're happy, the tail wagging and jumping and the panting, they view that as happiness and not stress you right. know what i mean and so when they see a dog that's slowing down and starting to actually use their brain and think you know it doesn't look nobody knows you know so few owners know what that looks like because right. that's not the norm <laughs> so yeah. and so i think that we focus so much on you know you see a dog and it's great panting and wagging you think it's happy it's like no that dog is very stressed so I think yeah. that's kind of an up, uphill battle that we as trainers are always going to face is just kind of trying to change the norm. You know, we all hear it. You take a dog to Lowe's and people ask what's wrong with the dog. <laughs> it's calm and a down stay. We've all had that happen. So. Yeah. The, the crazy thing is that that dog that gets to go out that looks sad yeah gets to go out but your happy dog is stuck at home while you're at lowe's and it could easily be tagging along with you with everything you do. they're on the couch <laughs> yeah it goes right back to what you said earlier it's like that so many people have a hard time seeing the bigger picture i think that's the thing that people really struggle with the most about balance training in general is yeah. the bigger picture like okay you're gonna punish a dog because whatever it's doing right but let's look at what happens after the punishment, right? Yeah. Now you've always been punished look, look for jumping. Dog's, yeah, look at the dog's whole life. Like right. Max doesn't go on the couch and he doesn't go on the bed and he doesn't roam around the house. But let's look at what he does get to do. I mean, we drove right. him to Utah two years ago. He got to go see like Arches National Park and he went to like the Continental Divide in Colorado and he's hiked in Maryland and Georgia. Like he gets to do everything with us. Yeah, it's the coolest so thing. To me, that's a very small price to pay of he hangs out on place when we're home doing our human things. And then he gets to be a part of so much more. Yeah, so. that's why I tried to show like a lot of the outcome of the training, right? So mm -hmm. I show my dogs or like, I, I took off in September and and I just try I went to New Jersey and we did hiking just me and me and two of my dogs and mm -hmm. I showed a lot of it because I want people to see that idea like 
my dogs don't get that because they're good dogs. Like neither okay. of my, the male dogs, they're, they're the ones who travel with me. Neither of them like are naturally good dogs. Like yeah, yeah, for sure. crazy. And Hendrix, I got him because he was crazy. Like he was being rehomed from people who couldn't deal with his craziness. Mm -hmm. And they only get to have the awesome life they have because of the rules and all of the yep. like mean stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I totally know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. And that's where it gets really frustrating is when people zero in on either the tools or the strictness and they they ignore you know, like for example, one time I had Max at Lowe's and they were like, wow, your dog's so good. And and then they're like, oh, what's he wearing? You know what I mean? They Once they see, they want the results or they admire the results until they see how you get there and they can't yeah. get past that. It's like, well, <laughs> anyway, yep. I mean, I get it. I yeah. get it. It's like anything though. People like the big prize. They don't like putting in the work. Right. They don't yeah. like seeing what it is. Like I would love to have like a nice biceps and big muscles, yeah. but like I'm lazy and I don't want to work out and eat healthy. Yeah. So like, that's what it is. I know the reality of it. And like, yeah. that's, that's the part that most dog owners don't get. I've yeah. had so many owners say like, Oh, my dogs can never do those things that the dogs yeah. train. Here, right. And it's like, none of the dogs could, they learned. Yeah. Oh, Max was horrible. I mean, Every issue my clients come to me with, Max had, and then some. Like, yeah. he's not, you know, he didn't want to walk in heel. He didn't want to come when called. He never relaxed in the house, and he never stopped barking. He would bark for 30 minutes straight. I mean, yeah, he's not naturally this, like, super chill, in tune, obedient dog. That's not, I didn't get lucky, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, but at the end of the day, he created all this, right? Like he got you to all of this, which is awesome. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. If you would have told me a few years ago, you're gonna do this dog who's gonna put you through the ringer, and then you're gonna start a career. I would have laughed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's 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 cool to look back on it. I'm sure and see like what came up of it and how how that all played out and. It's the, to me like what I love about your story so much is how it all comes down to like finding a, another trainer who put out content that that showed you that it's possible, you know? Yeah. Like I think that's a very powerful thing, at least uh, from a training perspective, from a trainer perspective. That's that's what's most powerful to me about your story is like knowing that that content actually can do make a difference in people's lives and like yeah. as much as there are going to be the people who don't like it, but if that one person out there who has a max finds it and like knows now that they can have a different life with their dog, it makes it very worth it. Yeah. Well, and Julie, I don't know if she watches these or not, but she was a pretty new trainer when I found her too. She'd only been training for a couple months. So it's, it's been, you know, it's been kind of cool. Cause I feel like, you know, you don't have to find these like, ridiculously in you know experience like because the process works you know right. what i mean like i just start, i simply started applying the rules that she told me to apply no more free roaming start i mean obviously we weren't back when we started i feel like um, i mean i can't speak for her but i feel like for me the the structure side of it and the mindset side of it wasn't really the focus 
of my training um, until about a year in. Um, I've mostly just kind of focused on, you know, oh, he's not pulling and he's not jumping. And But once we started delving more into the daily structure, like I said last year, we really cracked down on the structure. That's when things changed. And I feel like that's when my program changed a little bit. Yeah. Got better, so yeah, I'm always, always evolving. <laughs> that's that's the most powerful side of it, right? Is like what you get out of a dog's mindset through through the behavior, through the training, yeah. through the commands. That's ultimately, yeah. I, I think that's the ultimate. That's what it's really all boils down to. Like, I think there's a lot of dogs who I've worked with who know basic commands, pretty some of them pretty well. And yeah. they're not coming to me for that. Like, obviously, we'll work on that stuff, but they're coming to yeah. me because, like, their mind is messed up and they're all over the place. And, yeah. you know, a trick dog can still, still. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What did you yeah, say? I mean, a lot of, like, like, like you said, a lot of them, they, um, they know their commands. They just yeah. only do them for a treat or right. they can't actually use those commands when it matters. Yeah. And that's, that's all mindset. That's all like yep. what's what's going on in the head. Yeah. Well, and that's why we push it so hard. And that's why, you know, everyone's always amazed at what we do. And it's like, well, it's really not that hard. We just slow them down and teach them to think. Yeah. <laughs> a thinking dog is, that's the goal, is a dog that thinks. Yeah. <laughs> you have Absolutely. to sum it up into one sentence. It's teach your dog how to think and make good decisions. So I was going to ask you, you kind of answered my question, but I'm going to still ask it anyways. Okay. <laughs> if there was one thing that you wish every owner would know, or better yet, if there was one thing that you wish like you knew, then what would that be? Oh, just one thing. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's tons, but that's why I say one because it like makes you figure it out. Like think <laughs> it makes you think and slow it down. Well, somebody, I did a Q&A on my Instagram recently, and someone asked me that. They're like, what's the number one thing you wish owners would do or know? And um, I mean, I, there, I, there's a lot of answers for that. But the one thing that I put there and that I'll say here is I really kind of just wish more owners would simply pay attention to their dogs. Because I think that's, that's, um, and what I mean by that is like out in public or what they're doing in the house. Cause that's, I think so much of problems comes from people not supervising or paying attention to or watching their dogs because you see it all the time. You know, people are sitting chatting with somebody else and their dog is just jumping or yanking them places or, um, you know, they're trying to get their dog to sit in a down and then they start doing something else and the dog breaks. And so at least for my clients that have been through this program, I always tell them, I'm like, pay attention. Like if you, if your dog is out of the crate, you're on duty as right. their leader and you need to know what they're doing. And if they're breaking that command, because I can teach any dog place, heal, recall, I can do the whole program. And if that dog goes home and isn't given that consistent leadership, it's all going to unravel no matter how well the dog knows it, because, you know, dogs will only be as good as the leader that they're with. So I just, I just see it all the time where, you know, an owner will tell their dog down and then the owner starts getting on their phone or doing something else. The dog breaks down, runs off or, you know what I mean? Like just that inconsistency. So, I mean, I don't know, just when I'm out with Max, I'm always aware of what he's doing. If I tell my dog heel, 
I know if he's in heel or not. You know what I mean? If I tell him to down, I know if he broke down. If I tell him place, I have an eye on him on place. Um, and so I think that's how we get kind of that crisp, tight obedience is to just be on them. Yeah. <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> and an, an owner who's like consciously watching their dog is mm-hmm. also going to like know their dog better and going to pick yeah. up like what's going on in their with their dog, like in their dog's life. I feel like a lot of dogs and owners live kind of like roommates who just pass each other by yeah, exactly. and like sit down and have a good conversation, you know, like yeah. they don't really get to know each other in a real way because they're just like living life, but not together. And yeah, it's kind of the same thing. They're not in tune with them. They're not watching them. They're not picking up on like, what is your dog actually telling you? What is your dog doing? Maybe yeah. why is your dog doing it? Right. Like yeah. and there's, when, when you watch your dog, that's how you get it. I think that's powerful. And that's, I mean, the worst, like I used to go to dog parks, like every good owner. Um, (laughs) And what I started to notice though, I was there a lot. I spent one summer, I didn't have a job and I just spent hours at a dog park with my dog. And what I started to notice though, very quickly was how all the owners would gravitate to one area and all the dogs would gravitate to another area. Right. Mm -hmm. That was exactly when that would happen was always when a fight would break out. Yeah. Because like no one's watching the dogs and it's such a simple yeah. thing to change. Exactly. Like, it would make dog parks beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, cause that's, you know, when I, I'm thinking, I guess my, I answered the way that the way I did with my clients in mind, with the messages I get yeah. in mind of like, you know, Oh, my dog did this or, Oh, my dog did that. And my question to them is always like, what were you doing? Where right. were you? You know, and I, I really think owners just need to take more responsibility um, for their dogs because the dogs aren't going to make these choices on their own. We know what the dog's choices are. We're seeing their choices. <laughs> they're not making good choices. And that doesn't mean they're bad dogs. They just don't know any better. But, um, you know, the change has to come from the humans because that's how we get the results here is we immediately take control and pay attention and start to guide the dog's decisions and I don't know I just think that's important to to make sure that you know that your dog's behavior is in your hands it's not necessarily in the dog's hands <laughs> right it's all on you the dog's the dog's gonna do what it wants I'm yeah like, exactly not gonna align with you most of the time yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely Re- okay. owner responsibility I think is essentially what dog training really is really all about. It's just there's complications to it. But what it really boils down to is like take responsibility for your dog's behavior and like for the role that you play in it. Yeah, I guess that's what I was trying. That was kind of my answer. You just said it better. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's basically what my answer was, was, you know, pay attention. Like where, where are you? Like what's your role in all of this? So because I mean, once owners do that, the dog's going to know. You know, your dog's going to know if you're watching them or not. So that's why you hear it all the time. You know, oh, my dog listens so much better to you than to me or listens better to my husband than to me or whatever the case may be. And it's because the dogs know who they can get away with stuff with and who they can't. Right. Absolutely. It's really. I have this new dog that's behind me. She just came in Uh a few hours ago. And that's why. (laughs) And she's still all yappy. She's like some reason this month I have all these little dogs. So I went oh, from really? having 
I went from having a big bitey dog like that wanted to kill me and then like severe anxiety dogs and all that craziness to like a tiny Maltese and a oh. tiny <laughs> and a tiny happy tiny dogs are hard. I've trained a couple tiny dogs. They're tough because they're usually they just do what they want. I think even more so than a average or large sized dog. I think those little dogs just because they can't, you know, if they're pulling on the leash, they're not going to do anything to you. Yeah, they also naturally have more like allowances from their owner. So I feel like exactly it's yeah. more it's more patterned into them that they'll get mm -hmm. away with, you know? Yeah, I just like I said, I think it's a lot almost harder to get through mindset wise to a little dog than a big dog sometimes. Yeah. Well so. this this little one is she's she's cute. She just doesn't know anything yet. She's literally been with me for like uh -huh. I don't know five hours and I haven't done anything with her. She's just in her crate really. That's my day one is just crate time generally. Yeah. But like, I think that I put up a post about little dogs just today because it's all like on my mind. My house alarm went off. Um, oh, no. <laughs> someone will you shut it off. You need to go? No, someone, someone will, is upstairs. Someone will shut it off. Okay. Hopefully. <laughs> if it stays on for like another minute, then I'll need to go. But okay. somebody, okay, someone's upstairs and they shut it off. Um, no, I put up a post about little dogs today and I think, and I used to work when I worked at a daycare and there was a ton of little dogs and what I saw with owners and these weren't owners who were doing training or anything. It was just owners, you know, who had dogs and they dropped them off at daycare and go to work. But the big dogs, like the owners naturally were more likely to like scream at their dog to say no yeah. to their dog. Right. As yeah. opposed to the little dog, it's like, Oh, you pooped on the floor. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> because it's like this little thing and it just gets away with it. So the, the, brattiness is literally patterned into it like they're yeah. trained to be little brats because it's yeah. okay because they're yeah. so small. well and i think too that some little dogs they're viewed more as an accessory not not a, a dog with like instincts and you know they're yeah. just as much a dog as the most you know as any other breed so yeah they don't they don't know that they're tiny they and yeah do anything <laughs> they think they're real big dogs yeah but once you get through to them, little dogs are so fun to train. I love. Yeah. So and what I love seeing is little dogs that are like off leash reliable. Like oh, Hillary, yeah. Hillary from mm -hmm. Good I love Pup her. Housing. Yeah. And yeah. her little pack is adorable. Like a bunch yeah. of tiny dogs and they all are off leash reliable. And like, I think it's the best. I've told so many little dog owners to go look at her page to see like what's possible because people think like, oh, it's a, my dog is little, like they'll never be able to do that. And like, no, go see, like it's doable. Yeah. They can do it. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think I was thinking about this the other day that the percentage of dogs that are truly off leash reliable is so small. And it makes me sad because I just think every dog deserves to, I love how this training just pulls out their potential. You kind of, you know, strip away the 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 fluff and the unwanted behaviors, and then you just reveal these these like awesome dogs underneath it. And I just think every dog deserves to be able to go everywhere with their owner, walk in a nice heel, run around off leash, come back when called. I just think that that's. It just makes me sad that so many dogs will never get to experience that. Yeah. Absolutely. They get stuck living in a house <laughs> and they're yeah. like, they want to be dogs. 
Well, and I think we all see it. I mean, I walk my neighborhood every day and these dogs just sit in their front windows and just bark. That's, right. I mean, I've been walking this neighborhood. We've lived here for almost two years and every day, day after day, that's their whole life is barking out the window. And that was Max. I mean, we took it, we still took him places, but it was, it, I just, I don't know. I don't think it would have, I think we would have gotten rid of him. <laughs> but um, some owners don't even know that, like, that's possible. So many owners know. Know that it's really possible as much as, as much as we can try to show it and, so many good trainers show their work and show what's possible, but there are tons and tons of owners who think it's not possible. Like their dog can never do that. Or they don't even think that that's an idea. Like, yeah, well, I didn't, I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought well, I, mean, I had a bad dog. Like I just was like, Oh, I got yeah. one of the bad ones. <laughs> I didn't know oh, that the dog training was a thing to be honest. Like when I got Marley, I didn't know that there was like a, uh, dog training world like and there were dog <laughs> trainers out there and stuff like oh yeah me neither well and then you google you know how to stop pulling and you get terrible advice right. <laughs> it doesn't work because you know the advice we give is never the cute easy advice it's hard i get yeah. a lot of emails from friends you know oh i just got a puppy do you have any advice and i'm like yeah but you're not gonna like it <laughs> Like you actually have to put the leash on, watch your dog, put them in the crate. <laughs> yeah. The, the Unfortunately, advice there's no pill. I want to hear. What's that? I'm sorry. The advice that works is not the advice that people want to hear generally. Yeah. But I will say the ones that listen and don't, you know, try to push back, they are doing amazing things with their dogs and, it's so fun because then they come back for boarding and I get to take them out on their outings and yeah. I get to spend time with awesome dogs. I love it. It's awesome. That's another thing with premium boarding is it kind of shows people like, look, if you actually follow the plan and follow the program, look what you get. Yeah. <laughs> Not just me saying it. I'm, I like to show all my clients that have done a really good job with it. <laughs> Yeah, you're a prime example of if you follow the directions that you're given and just do the work, what can really happen out of it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it kind of just blows my mind how many people do kind of push back. Like, I just remember with Julie, she said, you know, if she said turn right, I turned right. Like, you, <laughs> so yeah. many people you say turn right, and they're like, well, left is, you know, let's turn left because that's easier and what we've always done. <laughs> yeah. That's hard. It's, it's difficult for so many people to change just as much as it's difficult yeah. for dogs to change. It's, it's an owner's journey too. Yeah. Change is hard. Yeah. Change is hard. But for me, I almost feel like some people like for me, we were so done and so desperate that change was actually easy for me because the alternative of not changing and staying where I was, was more uncomfortable than the change. Yes. Totally <laughs> yeah, my goal is to hopefully have people change before they get that uncomfortable. That's what I would hope for right. people is they don't have to go through what I did. But unfortunately, I think it has to get bad for some people. Yeah. You know? I mean, some of like, I love all my clients. So any of you who are listening to this, don't worry. I love you either way. But some of the ones that I had like the best experience with or, or, 
I felt that they got the most out of it was because they were so desperate because their dog was dangerous. They were yeah. going to give it up. Like life was miserable with these dogs and they were willing to just do whatever yeah. it took, like whatever, whatever it takes to make things better. That's, and sometimes that, that desperation is what it really takes to, to create that big yeah. change. It has to really be yeah. something you really, really want. So you're willing to really do it. Yeah, well, and I kind of went through it twice because when I first started with the tools and the training in general, we were desperate. Obviously, we were, I wanted to just get rid of them. But then we went a year and a half of still kind of dealing with this crate anxiety. Um, and so I kind of had to get desperate again to really be like, okay, no furniture time. No, you know what I mean? To crack down kind of a second time. So it's, like I said, I hope people don't, follow my foot, my footsteps and have to go through that. We're trying, that's the goal is we're trying to avoid that stress and that struggle. But I think sometimes you have to be in that place to want to change. So. Yeah. Yep. It's a lot, it's a lot harder to see like what could come of it if you don't put in the work than yeah. to see why you should put in the work once you really need it. That's what it boils down to with everything. Like yeah. much easier to, to, realize what and when it's really really necessary then to be like i'm going to prevent this from ever happening yeah and I, I mean like you said that same i mean fitness is such a good parallel for dog training because it's like do you want the results or does it have to get bad do you have to be on a bunch of medication and right. have all these health issues before you start to be healthy so because yeah. it, it's pretty rare i mean i have several really good clients who were like hey we got a puppy I want to train them right at five, six months. We're going to just be on that right path. And that's all like, that's what I wish everyone did, yeah. um, you know, but like you said, there is that value in, in the struggles. So we kind of see it both. Do you, do you feel like you see a balance of both with your clients? Yeah, of like the dogs I have now are all really young dogs who I've known, like I haven't necessarily known them in person, but I've spoken to their owners from when they got them. Like the, Enzo, the little greyhound who's with me, um, mm -hmm. when the owners first got him, we did FaceTime sessions together, coaching them. So they did like some good foundational work at home already. There was issues because it's their first time dog, but like he had some good, like he knew his marker words really well. He was well, like housebroken, yeah. like the basic puppy stuff that a lot of dogs don't even know. Like they did because we, they reached out right away. And that's awesome. Pokey, who's the little, what are you? He's a heaven, I guess. Um, his owner is like actually really, really cool. Like total shout out to him. Hopefully he, you'll listen to this because he started following my page before he got a dog. He's young. He's 19 years old. Started following my page before he got a dog. Reached out for advice before he got the dog asking me what books he should read. I told him to get Sean's book. Yeah. Um, read that book before he ever got a dog so he could be prepared awesome. when he got his dog. He asked questions, like sent me messages, joined my Q and A's, asked questions before ever having a dog, got his dog and did a couple of FaceTime sessions with me and did like really solid foundation stuff. Like his dog knows place. His dog knows loose leash walking on a prong collar. His dog knows basic like recall, obviously not off leash, but basic recall, yeah. like household rules, like a lot of really solid stuff that, that, yeah, well, it's not rocket. It's not hard stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's really just dog for the three weeks now. It. Now his now he's about seven months old, and he's here for three weeks to 
get like e-collar work and work on some That's basic awesome. behavior stuff that came in. That's but like awesome. he's that prime example of of an owner who was like, I don't want those issues. I want to do this right yeah. for his first dog. And he put in real work, like really serious work. And he sent me videos of him working his dog to ask if things were right. And it's very cool. It's cool to see that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I have a client like that who they did one private lesson with me and they follow my social media and they're just every night they go out, they practice tone recall. They're just like killing it. Like yeah. they're just and then, you know, you get people who will do a full board and train and they still go home and struggle because it's it really just comes down to does the owner want those results? Yep. At whatever at whatever stage done with their dog, it's about if you want it or not. Whether it's like that brand new puppy or whether it's a six year old dog that has all sorts of issues, it's really boils down to like how important is it to you? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I always tell, I mean, you know, we all talk about this in the dog training world. Like, we can't just give you back a perfectly finished product. Like, it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> I yeah. wish. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be nice. And, and the thing that I think a lot of owners also have a hard time understanding is as much work as us trainers can do with a dog, at the end of the day, it almost doesn't matter if they don't do work, right? Yeah. Like three weeks out of a whole dog's life is really nothing or two weeks. I don't know how long you program in mine is three weeks, but whatever it is, two, three, four weeks, like it's nothing out of a dog's life really. Yeah in the big scheme of things, especially yeah. a dog that's been living with an owner and like has all these bad habits and stuff. Yeah. Like your dog is going to mess up with you. And if you're not willing to put in the same exact work as that trainer, really, you're going to struggle. It's just what it is. Like there is no magic. Yeah. To anything you do. There's really not. And I tell every owner, I'm like, you essentially are going to become a trainer. Like every yeah. owner becomes a dog trainer because every moment is training. You're either allowing something, training something, or you're, stopping it <laughs> right right so yeah absolutely that's yeah well that's kind of why i've been really enjoying the private lessons a little bit more because it really keeps the owner in the driver's seat as far as like you know okay this is how you do thresholds okay now you go work on that with your dog rather than me doing you know 300 thresholds while they're here they get that immediate relationship with their owner yeah so that's, that's been good but obviously there's there's huge benefits of a board and train. So I kind of have, I have my foot in both worlds. It's pros and cons to both. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I think it's, I think it's cool that you're doing both of them. Like I don't do one-on-ones anymore. I have no time for it. It's and hard. It's like, it's hard. yeah, I, I don't know how you, people juggle both, but it's cool that you're able to plus having mm -hmm. three awesome kids. Like that's really cool. But I, I just do my board and trains now, but there's yeah. massive pros to it. Like you said, you're having the owner do the like dirty work, if you want to call yeah. it. Like, and that's exactly. where, that's where the relationship change really happens. Yeah. That's where I tell my owners, like work your dog, still work it. Like, yeah, use it as a day-to-day -day way of living, but also work your dog so that it yeah. becomes part of you and part of the dog and part of the relationship. Yeah. Well, and that's why, like we talked about earlier, that's why I show with Max. Like, I don't just go take Max for a walk every day. We go walk. And then in that walk, we practice downstays. We practice recall. Like, I still treat him exactly like a training dog. Right. And that's why he's, you know, you can't, you can't get the results without the work. So 
feel like we keep saying that. Yeah, but that's what it all is. Owners, listen to that. That's all we want you to know. That's the real point of it all. All right, let's wrap it up. It's been a little over an hour. Okay. I love your story. I think it's I think it's awesome how you've come from being that struggling owner and like now you're really doing awesome work on the training end of it. I think it's really beautiful and it's Thank awesome. You. And and just personally, something I love about what you do is how it's like really family oriented. Like you don't hide the fact that you're a mom and that you have three kids and that kids are kids and it's all part of, it's all part of it. And I think that's really mm -hmm. awesome to see. Like, first off, it's amazing that you do it. Like <laughs> I, I'm tired and I just, I don't mm -hmm. have any kids and I just have dogs to train and like you're, you're a mom and you're doing awesome with everything. And I think it's really awesome to see and your story is Thank great. You. Thank you and, so much. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Let's oh, tell yeah. everyone how they can find you, follow you, where are you, all of that stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm on Instagram and Facebook, Almost Heaven Canine Training, and almostheavenk9.com, I believe. Yeah, no training on that. Almostheavenk9.com is the website. And yeah, we'd love cool. to have you. Are you on YouTube? <laughs> No, not at this point. That is one thing I can't quite make happen yet. <laughs> yeah, me neither. This okay. is my YouTube. <laughs> Instagram stories is probably where I'm the most active. So. Yeah. Okay, cool. Everybody go follow Almost Heaven K9 Training. Thank you. Uh, Instagram and Facebook. Thank you so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, everyone, for watching, whoever tuned in, whoever's listening. Oh, Whoever is listening to this, do me a favor. I'm actually curious about this. So if you listen to this after the live stream, not the live stream, but if you listen to it after the live stream, shoot me a DM on anywhere, like Instagram, Facebook, email, however you want to find me, and let me know where you're listening to it because I'm curious where what platforms people are listening to this on because I know that the audio goes to a bunch of different podcast platforms. I have no idea how it works. I press a button and it goes out to like the podcast universe and so if you're listening to it like on audio let me know where you're listening to it from on what what platform that would be awesome if you could do that for me thank you guys thank you everyone for tuning in thank you becca thank this you was a guys lot. it was so good to meet you Talk hope you all you. have an awesome night love you all and remember to stay kind